God bless you. This is G. Craig Lewis with EX Ministries here again with another XCast. This is our podcast for EXMinistries.com where we bring you the truth uh, unedited the way God wants the truth given. We believe that it is just the right of everyone to have the truth and we want to make the truth readily available in this last day. And here I have a truth seeker, a truth preacher, a uh, wonderful man of God and a personal friend of mine, Pastor James Logan of the Christian Faith Fellowship Church, Zion in Zion, Illinois. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing good, man of God. How you doing? I'm doing great, and it is wonderful to have you here, a frontline soldier here to contend for the faith, and uh, I, I praise God for you and your efforts. How are things going out there besides it being freezing cold? Well, yeah, brother, it's definitely been cold in Chicago, but we're doing well. We thank God for another year and the challenges that this year brings and we are so you know we're in a consecration we're so looking forward to the challenges ahead brother and i want to say this i appreciate your commitment to the truth and your willingness to stand and say what what many are thinking but maybe won't say publicly well i, I thank you for that that's very encouraging and uh, we're going to continue to do what god is telling us to do uh, the way God is telling us to do it. And with men of, men of God like you out fighting, it makes it all the better. So I, I thank God for you coming on this morning. And you said you're in consecration. And I know most people are in a time of consecration in January. Um, we at EX Ministries have chosen February to be our month uh, simply because I took the month of January off to kind of just detox from the previous year and spend some time with my family and do, you know, some fun stuff. And we're going to approach uh, February, getting ready to go into the new year with some new things. But I wanted to bring you on because I, I consider you uh, a resident expert on uh, some church affairs and some statistics and different things that the church is going through this whole hemorrhaging process of the black church. And I wanted to bring you on to just kind of discuss some of the issues that the church is facing. You've had great success with the Christian Faith Fellowship Church out there in Illinois, and um, you know most people would consider you a mega church pastor out in that area, uh, up you know uh, in the Midwest. You have a very nice following there, and God has really blessed you. Plus, you're a man that stands up for what is right, and you don't you know uh, you're not a man pleaser where you bend the rules to just keep people, and that's a wonderful thing in this last day because that's hard to find. And uh, so I wanted to, you know, kind of go over some of these things that me and you have talked about, about these uh, statistics on the church. Now, where, where is the black church right now? Where do you see the black church? Um, I mean, what is really going on with the black church right now in 2009? I, I think personally, brother, and you're right, you know, we, we have shared, you know, in depth about, about some of the same things that we both care about. And, uh, you know, I, I think the black church, and, and again, you know, just to preface it here, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those that believe in separating the body of Christ, but, you know, uh, I am an African-American pastor. I'm a black male. I've, ra I've been raised and always black, so I don't know no other experience but black. Mm -hmm. And so the predominant, we have a multicultural church, but, but, but right now, predominantly, we're an African-American church. Now, um, there are unique challenges that, that we have that we, we have to address. If we don't, um, we're, we're, we're already in serious trouble, but it, it's going to get even more, it's going to get more detrimental. Uh, the African-American church 
uh, as a whole, it's time for us to really step out from behind the, the soulish entertainment enjoyment aspects of church and church life and step into a holistic kingdom dynamic powerful lifestyle that Christ died to give us by the Holy Ghost that that's what I, I, I see Pastor. Hmm. well now it's funny you say that because it seems most of the larger churches that we see with larger African-American um, uh, attended attendees these are churches that are built around entertainment um, you know we're talking about pastors who are in movies and making movies we're talking about pastors who are recording artists and performers and you know they preach on Sunday but they travel and sing during the week and so all of these uh, things that have brought the people in um, I mean, how could these people turn these congregations to focus more on what you're saying when, you know, the majority of these churches are built on the entertainment aspect? Well, I think that we got to go, you know, we got to go back to the word, the word of God. You know, uh, God said in Jeremiah, I'm going to give you pastors after your own heart that will feed you, you know, that will feed you, not entertain you, but feed you with knowledge and understanding, not not entertain you, not make you feel good, not pacify you, not, you know, anesthetize you, give you anesthesia just for that 45-minute sermon so you feel better, then you go back to your situation and you don't have the power to change it. Mm -hmm. So and It's the Word. we got to go back to the Word. So you, you, you feel kind of like I feel, I'm guessing, which is the whole slave mentality where, you know, the slaves, you know, they were great singers and great entertainers, uh, and these things came from them trying to forget the oppression that they were going through and facing. And so they, they, they depended upon talent and different, you know, singing and different things to soothe them, but it never really answered the problem. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and amusement, and, and you know, you've defined the word and you understand the, the, the subtleties and the spiritual significance of amusement, music, <clears throat> pardon me, and all these things, I'm not against. I'm not against music. I'm not against movies. I'm not against entertainment. But the point is, the church, and we're talking in particular right now about the black church, the black church has to understand where these things fit in their lives so we can change. Because, you know, and I called you pastor, that, you know, Freudian slip, you know, whatever Freud, you know, he had his issues. But in, in, the, in, in, <laughs> in, in the midst of all of that, um, we have to understand that if we don't, the church, which is one of the main voices in the black community, if the church doesn't stand up and, and help and challenge the black families to, to walk with God and to live a holy and righteous life, then the black communities aren't going to change. We're going to get the same divorce rate. We're going to have teenagers doing drugs, having babies before babies which all continue the cycle. And again, you know, we've talked about these, the cycle of, of crime, poverty, the lack of education, and all the same things we're getting. If we don't do that, we're, nothing's going to change. Hmm. So, you know, as, as far as your ministry goes, I mean, you have a, a large ministry. So, I mean, is your ministry, is that what you're saying? You've built your ministry on, you know, the foundation of the word and not, you know, entertainment. So you actually have a large group of African Americans coming 
mm-hmm. not just for the entertainment. Yeah, we we have we have, brother Craig, and and the thing about it is it, it, it it's it's not easy, and I and I'm you know we're none of it. We're not saying you and I we're not saying any of this is easy. When you know for the first oh about five to seven years of our pastoring, we had people that literally came and tried to turn the church into a constant high-octane swing from the chandeliers, high-octane service every time where we just, everybody sweat the perm out, and their brothers, you know, all that, and, 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 and we just like, no, uh, we're going to calm down, get, teach them, take some notes, get an understanding of what the Word says, know how to apply it to your marriage, your family, your children, okay, okay, we're not going to sing for two hours and I preach for ten. No, we ain't gonna do that. And and it was hard because people rejected it. They wanted what they were used to, and and we just had to stand until people understood, and until some people began to recognize that that you know we need the word in order to live. We have a tremendous choir. We have a number of members in our church that do CDs. And they're they're very gifted. We we're not against that. We're not anti music, but again, it has to be in its right place. Mm-hmm. Because church is not the place where we just go to have church. The body of Christ is to assemble together to learn how to be more like Jesus and then lead. I, I, I've said this before. When you look at the scriptures in the New Testament, Jesus taught in the synagogue, which is equivalent to the church, and he preached out, there, out into the public. Mm-hmm. We flipped it over. We preach in the church. We don't need to do all that preaching because preaching is proclaiming. The folk that come to church many times know Jesus. Mm-hmm. They need to be taught how to go out and preach and proclaim him to the masses. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know that's that's powerful, and that's one thing I share. You know, pretty much everywhere I go, I let people know the church is not for the sinners. <clears throat> you know, the church is for the saints, and if sinners stumble in there, that's fine. But you know, we should not gear service to captivate sinners, <laughs> and sinners should be uncomfortable in our services. And, 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 you know, convicted so that they'll change. And that's, I think that's where people are getting it wrong. The church is fashioning itself after the world to appear, appeal to the world when the church, the world doesn't belong in the church in the first place. Absolutely. And so I, I applaud you for, you know, holding fast, especially in an area where entertainment is so big and, you know, Oprah is so huge and people like to be entertained and they like the entertainment element and you know we uh, you, you talk about statistics on the church where the church is as far as attendance and and people where where is the church in terms of statistics as far as attendance and these you know giving and different things now because this is something that is really never talked about we just assume that all black folks still go to church uh, black folks still get convicted by what grandmama taught them yeah. and people aren't realizing that grandmama is now 30 years old right. and she she's a you know the new grandmamas are a part of a system mm-hmm. that is not the same as it was back in the day when grandma would try to hold the whole family together with the word now grandmama is 30 trying to get her breakthrough and her miracle season and trying to uh, uh, be loosed from the bad relationship she's been in, and that's grandmama, 30 yep, years yep. old. <laughs> so yep. uh, give us some of those statistics on where, you know, where the church is in terms of attendance and giving and those kind of things here in 2009. Well, in, in, in the United States right now, there are roughly 120 million unsaved people in just, just the 
United States of America, just in our country, 120 million unsaved people. There's about 300 plus million in the country. So that, that lets you know where we are. Wow. Uh, the church is in decline. Every county uh, in the United States is in decline in terms of church, regular church attendance. Every state in the union except Hawaii. Wow. Um, <clears throat> the church, churches lose, churches in America lose 2.8, roughly 2.8 million people each year to, to the world. The nominalism and secularism. Just, just, people just get disinterested. The church, two, two point, I mean, did you hear that number? 2.8 million people. Wow. Every year. Because many people don't see the church as being relevant. Uh, you know, we've talked about this. The young, the younger generation, 18 to 25, that has pushed and got behind uh, President to be today inaugurated Barack Obama. This younger generation wants to be engaged in change. They don't want to come to our churches and see 50, 60-year-old people have to do they think. See, they want to be engaged in change. They want to... They want to affect uh, the, the climate if they can. They want to affect uh, the, the, the um, crime in their... They want to affect crime in the neighborhood, the educational system. They want to engage these things. And many times the church doesn't, doesn't preach and teach and offer uh, uh, the opportunity for young people to be engaged. So they, get, they drift off. They go to college. I mean, we have a number of children, uh, young people who go off to college. And they get to college, and many of them don't want to go to church. Hmm. 3,500 to 4,000 churches in America close every year. What? <laughs> close. Close down like shut down. Shut down. Wow. It, it, 98 million, Brother Craig. 98 million people under the age of 25 years old in this country are less likely to go to church than ever before. 18 to 25 year old, 98 million of them in this country. That's the mission field there, Doc. So, well, I don't want to interrupt you. You got some more. <laughs> no, that, that's the mission field. Okay, if, if we're thinking, okay, of the 120 million that are unsaved and unchurched, 98 million of them, which is about 80% or plus, are between 18 and 25, it seems like we should maybe spend a little bit more money trying to reach the young people, uh, raise up youth pastors, have more youth pastor conferences, and not give me, give me, get you, get you conferences, but conferences and meetings that will strengthen the body to go out here and learn how to impact these young people that are disinterested about coming to our church. Okay, now let me let me pose this question to you. Um, what where does the disinterest come from? I mean, we have you know churches now that are hip hop oriented, holy hip hop. You know, they got the hip hop ministers with the do rag and sagging and the grills just like the world they got the beats and rhyme sound just like the world they have christian clubs they throw up the gang signs for jesus i mean you got this whole holy hip-hop movement under eddie long and his son that they're funding and 
that portion and I mean I mean why isn't that working well well you know I I, I challenge our musicians you know my son he's he's a musician and uh, he's in college right now you know getting his, his formal education on a lot of these things and well as business technology entertainment business in fact and and I tell him and I, I tell all of our musicians we've got two bands we've got we're blessed okay um, I tell them, and I, and I know what it's like. My dad was a musician. I, I, I was into music in, in, in my early formidable years. I get it. Here's my point. Many of them believe that in order to perfect their craft in music, that they have to learn every genre. And I, 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 don't, you know, I don't have any problem studying the history of various classical jazz, all that. But see, when you begin to listen to certain types of music, then those types of music begin to influence your music, your singing, your worship, your service. The Bible says, First John, he says, you got an unction from the Holy Ghost. You don't need anybody to teach you anything. See, so my, I take the position that I believe you take, that if we, man, I, I, I don't want to get Pentecostal. I really feel the presence of God in my office here. If we get into more intense times of personal devotion, fasting, and praying in the presence of God, then there are sounds that nobody's ever heard before. Yes, sir. That God can bring through the musicians and the singers that'll turn the world upside down. Yes, sir. But I was telling them, and I won't mention any names, uh, uh, some young people that, uh, this young preacher, he, his son came over to my house, and uh, he had something on the YouTube he said, he said, listen to this. And I said, man, and, and again, I just listened to a lot of different things just to catch it, to see what's out here. So he was playing this thing, and I said, man, that sounds like T-Pain. I said, now how you going to be a Christian, and you going to sample T-Pain? Brother, he's a young man in college. I said, boy, you know, come on, you know better. You know better. See, you cannot bring that stuff into the church. Let me say it this way. This is why, to me, there is very little difference in many regards to much of our Christian music in the world. Because you got the same people producing it, the same beat, the same flavor. And I'm sorry, when I sit down and listen to uh, a Christian artist that samples something back from the 70s, when I wasn't saved, that ain't pointing me to God. <laughs> That's reminding you of something. That's reminding me of something, brother, that, that I've been delivered from. Yes, sir. Now, the younger generation may not know and heard that song in the 70s, but that ain't ministering to people, my generation, that I remember when what I was doing when Isley, when you hit that little Isley Brother thing in there, whoever it is, I remember what I was doing. I, I, that doesn't minister to me when I see young women, Christian artists, singing a song, maybe to the Lord, and, and, and I'm not saying their heart ain't pure. I don't know their heart, but at the same time, when you dress like the world, you got on skinny jeans, and you popping out all over the place. I can't. I ain't think about Jesus. Mm -hmm. but, you know, <laughs> Doc, you preaching. My, you, you know, you, you you preaching the stuff I like right there. That's <laughs> because that's what we've been trying to tell people. You know, this whole time it's, and now we've kind of you know taken a turn with EX Ministries to really get this thing engraved in the parents. And it's only because, like you're saying, 
it may the, the younger generation may not know what it is it may just sound good to them but the older generation are the ones with the money to buy it thank you and so it's that's the trick of the industry you know when kurt franklin samples uh phyllis hyman or whoever he's sampling um and puts it in his song and his song is played on the radio they're not gearing that to young people even though they want young people to like it they really want the ones who recognize it to buy it for the young people and so that's the whole trick of it it's a deceptive tool from the beginning you know and um i've um i've i've just gotten so disgusted with the so-called gospel music industry because now there's just no purity allowed in it and i'm not saying that the people in it don't have a pure heart or they're not trying to do something for god but there's a, a level of compromise that is given to every artist you know and you know that they are doing that because when they come to town they're full of apologies you know well i should have never done this or i wish i hadn't have done that or you know i'm taking a new turn and i'm this but you don't understand you did it because the machine required it and so that's where we are we're just trying to say hey where is the spirit of the lord in our churches yeah. where is the music that comes being god being inspired by god where is the sound of every house the sound that God gives that house for what he's about to do yeah. in that church service and in that house. And those are the things that are missing. Do you, and I, I firmly believe, Pastor, and I'm, I'm going to let you talk. And, uh, I'm not going to take up all your talk time, but I firmly believe that there's a, 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 a fingerprint, a sound. There is an identity to every house, to every church. And the, the, if, when the worship leader seeks it, the new song that David preached about the new song that Psalms talked about will be birthed in there and you know that would just totally kill the superstar aspect yeah. of our industry when you know when God becomes the superstar and the flavor of the church comes directly you know from inspiration from the Holy Ghost yeah. and 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 but you know I'm I guess I'm old-fashioned but I just believe that like you saying these stats prove it's not working it's not working it's not working. Holy hip hoppers sell, you know, we, we pull some numbers. You're talking 10,000 or so albums a year that is being sold. That ain't even a tithe on what the secular folks are selling. You know, they're not even selling albums. I've talked to bookstores. They don't even stock holy hip hop because nobody buys it. It's just not what people in church want. When they want that, they go get the real stuff. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> so it's not working. I have these guys say, well, you know, now, you know, we, we finally reached our day and holy hip hop. It's a bad business decision to me. I mean, it, it, if something not selling, if I can't sell cars, I'm going to get out the business. Yep. And so, <laughs> but with the stats you're giving, it's showing that the church has hemorrhaged and it's in a position right now. Now, what do you suggest? I mean, you've had success in your ministry. You've had success in your youth group. And I know you don't use secular beats and rhymes and crotch-grabbing, holy hip-hop gospel preachers coming in there. What is attracting the young people to your ministry? You know, uh, uh, about three years ago, the Chicago Tribune did an article on our church. And uh, uh, usually it was back, you know, usually the Sun Times would be the one that would really focus something for an African-American church, so it was somewhat unprecedented, and I was told that the Chicago Tribune would do an article on us, and um, because we have a, a, a large, we have a good number of young people, uh, 
And um, it, it's interesting that you even asked that question. We've, we've got little clips that, that are being shown, members' appreciation, and various couples and people say what they preach about the ministry. Well, this past Sunday, this past Sunday, one of our uh, youth uh, did a clip, and uh, she said, the thing I love about my church is she said, I grew up in church, and the church I came from, she said, she paused for remorse, she said, they were hypocritical, and, excuse me, um, I know the situation that this young lady came out of, her and her family, where the pastor, you know, you know, was, was a bisexual, and his wife, and it's just a lot of perversion and just hypocrisy, a lot of people were hurt. She said, you know, they came here, and they got healed, and how me and my wife, pastors with me, Deborah, we make ourselves available to the young people, we spend money, the ministry spends money on the youth, we give them time to express themselves, their love and worship and service to God. We invest in them and we speak to them and we treat them like they're a right now generation. Not that y'all got to sit in the dugout, but we swing in the bat and run in the bases now. Mm-hmm. They want to be engaged, G. Craig. That, that's, that's the thing. They want to be engaged. They want to be heard. They want to be talked to. They want to be taught. The, the young people want to be told. That ain't right. God, don't, they want to be told that. They want to be told that. They disrespect adults that won't tell them right and wrong, and you go to church. That, that's what I believe. They, they, that's what draws them. That's what causes the kind of respect level. You know, I know people that, that you know, have different methods that they use to draw the youth in. We, brother, we don't have a lot of fights. We don't have a lot of violence around. We have a Friday Night Live where we let the youth come in every other Friday at 9 p.m. till midnight. And the youth pastors are there, and, the, and we got men there, and families come in, and you sing, and they do poetry, and they praise, and they, they give a testimony, and they pray for each other, get each other saved. And this is what young people need, and this is what they want. Because in most of our churches on Sunday, it seems to be just about grown folks. Mm-hmm. But that's... That- you know that's powerful and 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 i i've spoken at a lot of those kinds of services you know friday night lives and different things that are geared toward the youth and you know there is an expression that youth have that it's good for them to express but they need to be saved (laughs) you know i go to a lot of churches and you'll see the praise dance team come up and they'll do a dance and they doing beyonce moves and all of this and these, these, these kids not even saved. These are the same kids that the pastors call me and say, hey, I caught them having sex up in the youth room. You know, this girl got pregnant. She was on the dance team. And I'm like, why are they allowed to express themselves in the arts at your church and they're not saved? See, see, my brother, see, here's, here's what I'm finding out. Here's what I'm finding out. Um, there, there are some principles, and you and I, as leaders, we, we live by principles of the Bible Here's a principle. It's connected to what I said a moment ago. See, when you or anyone sets a godly standard in the house of God, where there is respect for God from the senior pastors, and the senior pastors live a godly, holy life in front of the people and the members and the community, then their leaders will live that. They'll have an example. That trickles down through everybody. So when you have people enter into... A ministry like that, folk already know they don't play that over there. You can't, don't be bringing no, you can't smoke in that parking lot at that church. They don't let you do that at that church. And so that already 
develops in people a mindset of how to behave themselves. The scripture says in Timothy, we ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of faith. And so when you come and dance, you see that the older women that dance, particularly at Christian faith in Zion, they're covered. You won't see stuff shaking. You ain't, stuff ain't tight. You ain't got to be fighting your imagination. and You, you ain't got to go through none of that in your mind. It's, it's the glorious to God. And, and you know that the women aren't trying to do anything to lure you or entice you into anything sensual. And so that, that then translates down to the younger ladies and girls when they dance. Okay, this is the example. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul tells Timothy. The younger, older women are to teach the younger women. Right. But if the older women sit up in the choir looking at, uh, oh God, here I go. If the older women sit up in the choir looking nasty, then, then what the younger women, that's how you come to church. And we constantly, again, we don't preach clothes. But again, there's something to be said about how you carry yourself mm-hmm. and how you appear before people. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my wife, she tells the women all the time, that, you know, our women's meeting uh, uh, group is called Covenant Sisters. And she, she's like a mother. You know, don't be coming up in here with your breasts all out. Mm-hmm. And surely don't be coming up in front of my husband, your pastor, with your breasts out. Because I'm going I'm to tap you on the shoulder. You ain't got nothing to say right now until you change how you dress. And so in order to do this, and again, let me, let me throw out some more statistics if you don't mind. Uh, the Midwest, other than the Bible Belt, where you all live, the Midwest is the, the second segment of our country where people attend church more than anywhere else. The Bible Belt is first, the Midwest is second. So people go to church up here in the Midwest. All right. Now, uh, with that being the case, in the state of Illinois, where I live, if you put 100,000 black folk in Soldier Field, if you could squeeze 100,000 in there, half of them would be infected with HIV AIDS. Now, if, all, if, if the Midwest is second in terms of people that attend church, and most of these people are African Americans because we still attend church more than any other group, if 100,000 black folk in the state of Illinois, if you get them in one place, and they're HIV, AIDS infected, and a great percentage of them, 60 to 70 percent of them go to church, that ought to tell us something right there, brother. Wow. We got wonderful people. Love God. We love them. Jesus love them. We love them. We preach to them. We love them. We pastor them. But the reality, you can't listen. We can't ignore the fact that, wow, okay, we're going to church and we're killing each other because we're sinning, sleeping each other. Some, what, what, what am I preaching? What am I preaching that ain't dealing with that? Hmm. What, know, what am I preaching? And I'm just talking about me now in Illinois. Pastors in Illinois, they may be, what are we preaching? What are we doing if we're not combating that? And it ain't, I ain't talking about handing out condoms. I'm talking about preaching holiness and righteousness. Jesus, the last days would be like the days of Noah. Well, Noah, Genesis 6, that was a wicked time. God said folk was doing stuff. It didn't even cross his. He was like, oh, my God, I got that. We know what God did during Noah's day. Well, the, the Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So if the last days are like the days of Noah and Noah preached righteousness, what do you think we need to be preaching? Righteousness. 
Well, righteousness would be, which is right alignment, that would be the answer for the issues that, that we're facing as a church. Absolutely. So why are, you know, the, the, the iconic bishops and those that are, you know, most seen on TV and considered representative or leaders of the black church, the ones that are doing the inauguration prayers and different things, these guys that are seen in the public all the time, why isn't this a concern? Because if you go to their churches, you find a lot of homosexuality, a lot of sexual activity. I mean, one bishop just made a movie, and this movie is full of, of you know, half-naked men, shirtless men, hugged up on each other, a bunch of gay stuff, and then sex scenes, and a whole bunch of, you know, bad language, and cursing, and swearing. I mean, if that's our problem, why is that being promoted? Because I liken it, uh, G. Craig, I liken it to, uh, and, and, and I believe we are in the last days, and, and I liken it to what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He said he didn't come eating and drinking, partying with folk and having a good time and preaching prosperity every, to every message. And again, I don't believe folk need to be broke. But here's the thing. John came because uh, he understood the season that he was in and the message that needed to be preached. John came with the spirit of Elijah that's coming back again. And he preached truth. And he wore camels in ate locusts and wild honey. He didn't have the same diet <laughs> as all the other preachers that was acquiescing and submitting to the Roman Empire and infiltrating and getting money and power, you know, from the Roman Empire and the powers that be of the day. John the Baptist came and said, look, get ready for the coming of the Lord. Repent. He told Harry, he said, man, you know you ain't living right. He, he addressed marriages. He said, man, you married to your brother's wife. John, the, that's the kind of ministry. So I, apparently, what I could deduce from that, brother, is that we've got a lot of Pharisees that know the word. Jesus said, <laughs> he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He said, you sit in Moses' seat, which means you have the ability to enter and to understand the scriptures, interpret the scriptures lead people into the kingdom, but you don't go in if you won't lead other people in. That's what we got today. We got people that know the truth, but they're not leading people into the kingdom. They won't go in, and they're not even letting other people in. It's the John the Baptist ministry, that Elijah ministry. It's interesting that, that, that in Malachi, God said that in the latter days that Elijah was going to come back. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. Well, it's interesting to note that Elijah had a ministry of confrontation. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when Elijah showed up, man, he just came out of tissue. He came out of nowhere, already full grown, had his relationship with the Lord. He come on the scene, listen, uncompromising, in folk faith. He was in the people's faith. He was in king's faith. He was in the prophet's faith. He was in everybody's faith. Listen, it's either black or white. And that's the problem, one of the problems, my brother. We don't want absolutes anymore. Even people that might be listening, well, you know, they're just too, too strong on this. You got to be. No, you got to. It's, it's, Jesus said, don't be lukewarm. That's I'm going to spit you out. Mm -hmm. and, and we're afraid, she cried. I believe many are afraid, and many, many more are hearing the clarion call and the cry from preachers like yourself, myself, and many others. And we're rallying together because there are many that know exactly what you and I are saying are, is so true. But they don't know where to go 
and they're afraid to be they're boxed in because of these buzzwords, intolerance. Well, I don't know about you, but when I look at Sodom and Gomorrah from Genesis 18, um, I, I, I would venture to believe, my brother, that if God wasn't happy with homosexuality and perversion then, I don't think he grew fond of it today. Hmm. I, I just don't believe that's possible. So people can say tolerant, intolerant, born that way, this is what the world, this is what people want. Well, I want what God wants. I, want, I got God's heart. I love what he loves. I hate what he hates. Mm-hmm. And if that's intolerant, then I'll be godly intolerant. Right. And, and that doesn't make you hardcore. That makes you soft. That makes you soft-hearted. And people don't understand that. You know, I have the hardest time with people when it comes to those issues. They think I'm hardcore. And they say, well, you're hardcore. And I tell them, no, you don't understand. I'm soft-hearted towards the homosexual because the end of what he's doing is death and destruction. And I don't want to sit back and let him play the organ and watch him sing the songs and write the songs that we're all singing and we're all celebrating God through the music that he's making and then he loses his life and we just move on to the next homosexual yeah. like that one never existed because that is, that's a person that's a soul, that's somebody that God cares about and so I would rather call the sin out and try to get help while they're living than to wait till they're dead and just honor their memory and their legacy while they burn in hell yeah. and I, I, I think that that you know, that idea is being lost, Pastor. I mean, people are, you know, this whole soothing, slow mulling over of homosexuality where it's now being pushed in all the movies and pushed by even bishops and the church and pushed by those, you know, uh, even the homosexual uh, pastor, uh, um, Episcopal, the one that came out is doing the prayer at the inauguration, you know, Asian and I mean, it's just it is all these pastors and that took their churches to this event are going to sit under this and they don't understand spiritual warfare. They don't yeah. understand the principality that is being released, what Baal, the prophets of Baal are, are doing and how they're strategically using this event at the head of the nation's capital to spread this almost infectious spiritual disease over this large body of people. Yeah by allowing this and what this is going to do to our churches they don't they don't see it pastor and i think it's up to pastors like you that will just stand strong and be an example i want to encourage anybody that's in the chicago area to 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 visit the uh, christian faith fellowship church and just see for yourself what's going on there because i know you're a man of god but what what you're doing there is very powerful and i mean if you need help with your children if you need help in ministry uh, to be ministered to help with your finances I'm not saying to go get money because you know there was even Jesus said that he said to the poor I gave the word because it takes more than money to help the poor yeah and so <laughs> the poor need the word so they can know how not to get poor even after you help them you don't want them to fall back into poverty and so all of these little you know things that seem little these are the things that we need to address, and your church is addressing it. And I just praise God for you, and I don't want to keep keep you too long, but I thank you, Pastor. I praise God for what you're doing out there, and I encourage people to go and see it for yourselves if you're in that area. 
to visit your church and different things because you know this is what's needed pastor the yeah. examples of this not just us talking but somebody that can you know when you can put your hand on it and see it for yourself absolutely yes sir so um well brother i appreciate you and i appreciate the opportunity to you know share with you and share with your uh, listening audience and all those that support ex ministries and, and love g craig and uh, appreciate you and pray for you uh I, i'm glad that uh you know we, i had an opportunity to, to share with them what you and i talk about mm-hmm. and uh so you know again others know that there are other people that uh, are standing with you and believe like you believe that uh, there's something that has to be done yes sir yes sir definitely and now you you come on tv out there what uh, you want to give that time so that you know maybe some that are listening can well, we're on WJYS TV uh, every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, uh, every Monday morning at 10 a.m. And then we're on the radio in Milwaukee, uh, Joy 1340. And we're on in the mornings and in the evening. Give me, I forget the time, but we're on on the way to work, on the way home uh, from work on the radio. And we, we have good response, tremendous response, in fact, from, from uh, both of those. And so... Uh, we're, we're reaching out. We're going to be starting uh, churches this year and expanding and reaching out because, again, with the numbers the way they are, we, we, need, we need more houses of God uh, located all over this country to, to get the $120 million, brother, that ain't saved. Yes, sir. Well, I, I, I commend you, Pastor, for your efforts and what you're doing. And I just praise God for our relationship and just having someone that, you know, I can talk to and uh, fellowship with um, just to keep me encouraged and I thank God, you know, for that. And hopefully many that are listening that are in your area will have an opportunity to experience your ministry, uh, meet your, you know, lovely wife and family and just, you know, uh, get out of some junk that they might be in and really get some get, get some help. And I praise God for you. And I thank everyone for listening um, to this X-Cast. And we'll definitely be back with another X-Cast real soon. So. I want you to stay encouraged in this last and evil day and just remember that there are men of God that are standing up. You just got to ask God where they are and he will tell you. God bless you.